it's the Good Hang Book Club, where every book is a brand new day. It's the Good Hang Book Club, where we come together in a special way. Why spend your days playing Candy Crush, slowly turning your brain to mush? Stop staring into your TV screen. Quit watching life. Live the dream. Pick up the book, you bastard. Get some learning done. Get some learning done. Pick up the book, you bastard. Guys. You thought it was a once and done. Uh-uh. You thought it was just good. You thought we only did one and we. No, no. no we no. read other books and yeah. watch other movies. Yeah, we're back. We're back, bitches. We're back. We're back. We got The Good Hang Book Club episode two, the long awaited. Not really. Not awaited. really. No one really asked for this, but we wanted to do this because I felt poorly about just doing one book club and then abandoning the idea completely. No. Also, because of a lack of statistics, I do not know how many people watched or listened to that episode in particular, but I'm going to assume that it was a lot of people. It, it, it was probably everybody. Everybody, because everyone's interested in books. Sure. Especially in, you know, times like these when, you know, who cares about the internet and videos and computers yeah. but and But I movies. tell you what, in a couple of years when the Ready Player One movie comes out, people are going to be flocking back to that episode. Yeah, and you're going to be like, oh, I, I read that already. Yeah. I know all about it. Yeah, but look at that. Now people are flocking to this episode because the Martian movie mm. is out. It's dominating the box office and yes. it is a good movie. We're going to so... talk about the movie and the book. So this episode is dedicated to Andy Weir's The Martian. Yeah. We have covered this in a previous episode. I I would give you a number, but I... Six. It was way early. I can't remember which episode it was, but we're going to have a bit more of an in-depth analysis of the book, as well as the recently released movie, as well as, you know, just random yeah. space, space talk. talk. Because space talk is good talk. It's good talk. I think we're going to talk about that stuff at length, because before, we only talked about it at short. At short. Short. That was a shart joke is what that was. That was a shart joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, Nathan. Yo. So you didn't read The Martian until I told you to read The Martian. Yes. Please tell. Okay, I, I, I want to know, wh- uh, where did you hear about this book? How, yeah. how did this come into your eye holes? It was pretty good. Actually, I was I just, I just was thinking about this the other day because the other night I had a couple people over for a dinner party. Uh, were you there? I don't know if you were there. But no. anyway, I was, there was a whole table of people who had read The Martian based off of my recommendation. Or like one degree removed. <laughs> so Look I don't know, you, John. I, right? I'm just Andy Weir, man. Send me some money. You're listening, right? Okay. So a couple of years ago, um, I listened to to an episode of the Nerdist podcast starring Neil deGrasse Tyson. I had no idea what he was, and generally, generally, I don't listen to podcasts like that with guests I don't know. But I just figured, what the hell? Well, I'll just throw it on. And it turned out to be my favorite episode. Uh, it opened me up to a new world of astrophysics and space exploration and astronomy that I used to love when I was a kid but never really got into as an adult. Yeah. And that basically just started my thing. After that, I started just, I bought Neil deGrasse Tyson's books and I learned as much as I could, watched documentaries, and then soon I found myself wanting to um, devour some fiction that was grounded in science. Some science fiction, if you will. Ooh. 
but more science, less fiction. And yeah, just uh, searching around on Amazon and, and The Martian just popped up. Had an amazing history. I read about it. Like Andy Weir couldn't get anyone to pick up this book. Mm. So he started putting it out for free right? <laughs> on his website. Yeah. And then the people who were reading it on his website, um, chapter by chapter, week by week, they were like, hey, can you put this on Amazon? Oh, he released this like magazine style. Yeah. Like back in freaking Charles Dickens days. Yeah, dude. Straight he Dickens, Dickens style. did. He, Andy Weir, man. Such a dicks. And so people requested, hey, look, I really want to read this on Kindle. Like, would you be willing to put it on Amazon? He was like, sure. I mean, you have to charge a minimum of 99 cents. So... Put 99 cents, put the book on, on Amazon. Sold 35,000 copies. That's amazing. Then people took notice. Publishing companies came a knocking. It got picked up. It became a phenomenon that slowly ebbed until today we have uh, the Martian film. You got to love the internet, man. Yeah, the internet's the best, dude. It's, it's, the, it's the great equalizer. Yeah. For every... I mean, I'm sure a whole, like a shit ton of industries, but you know, for the purposes of our relevance... In our industry, it's it's the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. Record deals are no longer the holy grail. Publishing mm-hmm. deals no longer the holy grail. It's about ability, reachability, uh, relatability, and just good fucking content. Comedian Patton Oswalt has a wonderful... He gave a speech, I think it was, and you can find a transcript on the internet about how... In this day and age, there are no more gatekeepers. There's mm-hmm. no more There's no more like being like, okay, it's your turn to make content. Yes. You just do it. Yeah. So I love that. I love that. But this is a perfect example of that. This is that at its... This is the apex of that. This Although guy, it is arguable that movies like this you mm-hmm. know like the martian movie would not have been able to be made independently what do you mean like i mean yes you can crowdfund a lot of things but sure. I, f- I feel like crowdfunded movies can never reach the levels of you know a movie like the martian oh not for the consumer. Like, are you oh you mean the actual like the film yeah of course I, I'm, I'm talking about millions like and millions and millions of dollars yeah yeah i'm talking about like because movies specifically because an, an, an FX heavy movie requires yeah. like a fucking studio budget, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe that's the only exception yeah. to the rule. But you know, indie movies tons crop funded. Anyway, tangent. I'm actually curious to hear what like is one of the more CG or heavy independent movies. We should look that up. That's interesting. But anyway, we're not talking about that shit. We're talking about The Martian. Yeah. Here's what I don't get, Nathan. He's still a human. Why is he The Martian? Just because he's on Mars. <laughs> I mean. He he's a space pirate. He, <laughs> he, col- he colonized Mars. He is. He he had a very logical argument as to why he is considered a space pirate. I thought that was brilliant. He's no, so- I'm being facetious. He's the Martian because yeah. he lives on Mars. It's great. So you read the book, uh, what a couple months ago? Yes, I consumed it orally. Yeah, you did. I, I yeah. <laughs> I, wait, yeah, I listened to the audio book mm-hmm. as well as great um, and I was reading it along the way. Um, I remember. Reading this book uh, throughout the period I was filming my HBO show, mm-hmm. um, crazy to think that that much time has passed. Actually, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I read the book. I thought it was just—I I said this before—but it was a breathtaking journey. Yeah. It was a breathtaking journey. It, it was so much fun. It was really engaging, and that's like, the key. Very rare are books just fun. Yeah. This book was incredibly fun to read, and I've I read it once, and I've listened to the audiobook twice. I, I will say the latest um, the latest releases from Dora the Explorer, um, really mm. fun books. Mm. Really fun. Mm. They, they ask mm. really important questions. C. Yes, they ask really important questions. They wait for the, the the answers, and you know you learn something on every page. Que bueno. It's a real page turner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, but my okay, my feeling about I, I know we're going to talk about the movie and the book, but I'm going to start off this episode by kind of giving my thoughts on them simultaneously and then mm-hmm. maybe breaking it down, right? Yeah, that sounds good. So the book... Spoilers are coming. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so the book was a wonderful journey. The book was, um, you really get to fall in love with um, Mark Watney, Definitely. the character, Matt Damon in the movie. Um, and it's conveyed so well in the book, like his journey, his process, the science behind it, his his wit, his humor, his intelligence. And it really makes you... Uh, and really invested in his, uh, in his in his life, yeah. As much as you know, the the Earthlings in the book are invested in bringing him back, right? right. Um, but the one thing that I felt the book fell short of was the ending itself. The ending <laughs> was didn't live up to the journey, but because you know it was a happy ending, of yeah. course. Um, and it, it ended the way that it was supposed to, I guess. Like yeah. it ended in a way that you would want a, a resolution for this story to end. But it it wasn't a spectacular in that yeah, exactly. it wasn't in that there wasn't a spectacle. Yes, it was yes. like through, they through did the, the book, plan through they, the book. Um, what was conveyed very well was the science, the process, yes. the the survival element, the isolation element. But when you got to the very end, the climactic, um, uh, a saving and everything, um, it it was very by the numbers. Well, that's the thing. It's like the whole his Watney's whole journey on Mars was like a slow car wreck. Yes, like he started off boom, okay, that sucks, and then like all of a sudden he's got to okay, he's got to survive because he's up there for like more than a more than two years, a he's year. Up he's up there, there for, for a, while. a good solid four hundred something souls. So yeah. it's like, yeah, and like. And I, I know you were going to talk about the movie as well, but like, yeah, I, I like that it's like a slow, like I said, a car, slow car crash. So you have this, this issue and he has to deal with it and it's yeah. this issue and this issue and this issue. But it's all presented very well and it's explained very well within Absolutely. the book. So I really appreciated that, but the ending kind of fell short of like the journey hmm. that the book built up. That's why I love the movie um, quite a lot, almost as much as the book, because... It's a space. It's a story about space. You know, you need that visual element. You yes, need that sense of wonder. That like the the vast nothingness that is space. It it it's it it works best through a visual representation, and the ending. I thought the movie did the ending so well in terms yeah. of like it made the right tweaks. It had amazing visuals. It felt friggin' tense and glorious. And I was like, I mean, I knew exactly what was gonna happen. I knew he was gonna be saved, but I still. I remember, like, the moment he was saved and the moment uh, uh, Mission Control did that whole, like, you know, the standard space scene, like, ah! Like, I, I felt like a rush. I welled up. I felt like a rush of just, like, I almost oh, cried. Oh, my God, yes! I almost cried. Yeah. And it's, I, it, you're right. It's like, I like, this is one of the very few times that um, a source material got Hollywoodized, yes. but I really liked it. Yeah. I, th- I think they're right. I think they b- both the film and the book played to their strengths in yeah. wonderful ways. Exactly. Like, That's some... Um, more often than not, people will compare the book and the movie, and they'll say, "Oh, the book was better." And then you know, maybe on the rare occasion, some people will say, "Oh, the movie was better," i.e., um, Gone Godfather. Girl. Yeah, ah. yeah. <laughs> Godfather and Gone Girl. Um, but in this case, I think they kind of work in concert Absolutely. with each other. They 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 complement each other really well because I would definitely recommend reading the book first and then the movie. Only because it enhances so. it enhances the experience of the movie I think so, so much more. I think so. I mean, obviously, we'll never know because we did it the other way. I'll yeah, talk yeah. to, and it's arguable that you guys won't know either because I'm assuming majority of you listening to this watched the movie and not read the book. Oh, so let us know how that is. Yeah, let us know how that goes. Yeah. but I think because you go through the in depth journey through the book so much that you you understand Mark Watney the moment he appears Absolutely. on screen. But I, I will say this though: if you're listening to this and you've only seen the movie. 
definitely, definitely go get the book. It, mm. There's so much more. It's like a different experience. It's like parallel experiences that are just different enough that you can enjoy yeah. both. I mean, yes, you know the broad strokes. You know, like, roughly what's going to happen. Yeah. But it's the little details that really paint a much more vibrant picture. I agree. Yeah. I, I will say this. The Watney that I came up in my head, I liked, enjoyed him more than I did Matt Damon's performance. But that's, that's yeah. like, everything that I, pre- if I preferred one or the other, it's totally subjective. Just my preference. Like, who, who would you have casted as Mark So Watney? hard. I have no idea. Like, no no idea. Chris no one, Pratt, but less goofy. No one more likable than Matt Damon? I think I Matt know. Damon's pretty likable. I don't know. It's so funny. I think I talked about this when we first talked about Channing the Martian. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. You see, it had the abs. Um, is that, no, in my head, I always thought of um, Mark Watney as a real-life astronaut. This guy named Mike Massimino, who's like kind of like the more social, more like he's been in a lot of documentaries. He's been in a lot of films. Um, there's an IMAX movie about them going to Hubble. He's like the star of the movie. Yeah, Very personable, very down to the earth, salt of the earth kind of guy and with a good sense of humor. That's always I picture it. But like in terms of actors, I had no idea. Like I can't think of anyone that would have done better or, you know, better than Matt Damon really, no. Okay, like my thought of like, you know, who could have been a really interesting Mark Watney, mm. um, Michael Fassbender. Oh, that would have been interesting. I'm not exactly sure why, but I, I think, okay, Michael Fassbender, he's very well known for playing very serious roles, kind of like slightly uh, twisted characters. But when he does play like a more likable, a bit more of like a nice guy character, mm-hmm. like when he, like he did in Frank. Um, great movie, by the way, Frank. Um, <laughs> I think he pulls that across very well because when you see like actors that you're more used to, used to seeing as, you know, very tense, very dark characters, and when you see them kind of friendly and nice it enhances that right. a lot more as opposed to you know Matt you. Damon who's seen in thousands thousands and thousands of like you know happy movies but then if you see like you know Michael Fassbender be the nice guy it could amplify it and then of course there's times where Mark Watney just goes through like shit he just he, yeah. he, he rolls through just acres of shit multiple times in a movie and sometimes even literally and <laughs> I, I I think you know Fastbender could pull off both sides of that. Yeah. I mean, the big thing with Wadi, it's like, it's like the main thing you take away is that he's smart and he's likable and he's funny. Yes. Like all three are like equally important to this, mm. to the story and to him actually surviving on Mars. So yes. again, I couldn't, it, Mike Wolfmaster is a very interesting choice. Maybe I would have, uh, maybe like a younger Will Smith. That's right. Oh. Colorblind casting because I don't see race. Oh, but, but Matt Damon, smart, smart decision. Yeah. And definitely... A safe choice. I, my, my, maybe my only thing was that he was like a little too old. Like mm. he was noticeably older than the rest of the crew, which not a big deal. But Was he though? Jessica Chastain appeared pretty old to me. Yeah. And Michael Pena, he's kind of like timeless. He's looked the same to me for the last like 15 years. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like Matt Damon was a cool choice for me. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm still like racking my brain. I'm just going through all the actors in my head. All like, the actors decks, in your head. Like, how about how about how about how about Michael Fassbender's counterpart, James McAvoy? Ooh, James McAvoy. No, no, you don't like him. <laughs> Not for Mark Watney. Yeah, true. No, he's more of a. I, I just love him so much and wanted. I want to see him in more things <laughs> like that. Of all the things to pull, <laughs> wanted. I don't know. I wanted it was so good. Wanted is like the opposite of the Martian. The Martian's like scientifically sound. And <laughs> wanted is like bending bullets. Bending bullets and shooting pigs. <laughs> I don't know. It's All right. Random so, movie shout out. I okay. So movie. we hinted before, like, okay, my, my take on it is that, like, the the film took the weaknesses of the book, not just the book itself, but as the medium of literature, and took it and it became its strength and vice versa. So 
what I mean is that, like what Nathan was saying, the film was so great because you could see the vistas of Mars yes. created for you. And like the special effects were like so good that you don't even like, it wasn't even like, you didn't even think about it. Not at all. There Never was not once. a moment in the movie where I was like, that looked weird. Not even that, but even even on the, even on the other side, I'm like, there's never once when I, it took me out of the film, I was like, wow, look how good that CG is. It just was. It was just Mars. Yes, yes. It was amazing. I mean, Ridley Scott, he's done this several times. Mm. He has done this many, 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 many times. Gladiator. Prometheus. Ugh, for fucking Prometheus. <laughs> Prometheus is like the anti-Martian in that it's in space, but it sucks. Are they making a sequel? <sighs> Fuck you, Prometheus. It's just, look, it's coming, like, just... Just take two steps to the right. The thing's not going to fall on you if you take two steps to the right. <laughs> Stupid Charlize Theron. Uh, so uh, my point is, so yes, the film had the, the strengths of the, the book. The weaknesses of the book is that, you know, you can't, I mean, you can have a great imagination, really picture it and really see it. But to have it done for you is amazing. Uh, vice versa, with the book, like the weaknesses of the movie is that it just has to have a quicker pace. You mm. can't get inside the head of the characters, whereas in the book, you're in the head of the characters. It's Mark Watney talking all the time. Uh, 90% of the book is from his point of view, right? Mm -mm -mm. And I just love that. I love that you can take the most mundane problems and the most realistic problems that you would face if you were stuck on Mars and really explore it. And because of Mark Watney's personality, it just makes it so riveting and interesting to listen to. Definitely. And that's why for me... While I love the movie, I just happen to prefer the book. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's better. That's a, yeah. that's a very specific thing. I just prefer the book. I feel like this story is told better through the medium of literature. That said, though, um, if you if you've noticed, um, if you follow like the promotional materials of this movie oh, as we have, um, you'll notice that they did have like a, uh, one or two straightforward trailers, but mm -hmm. a lot of um, the promo material was just featurettes. Yeah, I think the first thing that came out was a, not a trailer, but like a like the, a the like tour. a onboard. Yeah, the like tour an of onboard Aries tour 3. of uh, uh, Hermes. Hermes, Hermes, Hermes. Like an onboard tour of the Hermes, and then at some point they also released like uh, this thing that seemed like it was gonna be in the movie, but it was like a psychological evaluation. Well, the whole thing I thought all of them were parts of the movies. I'm like, oh, I don't want to see this. I want to wait till exactly, I see the movie, exactly. and I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's not gonna but, be in the movie. Great. But turns out because the story is so massive and there's so many facets to it. I mean, if you think about it, there are about I mean, arguably four, but let's just for the simplicity's sake, let's just say there's three ongoing arcs. What's going on on Earth? What's going on with Mark? And what's going on with the rest of the Hermes crew? Right. You know. Um, and the source material expounds on most of those arcs pretty well. Mm -hmm. So it goes without a doubt that, you know, the movie will have to cut the fat a little bit. But it was really cool to see that there's a whole bunch of promotional material from like featurettes to behind the scenes to Mark Watney cams to like fake ads that it's even like a fake mini documentary by Neil deGrasse Tyson himself. I love that. Yeah. Um, but it's apparent that they filmed a whole bunch of extra shit for this movie. That's why I cannot wait for like the Blu-ray slash DVD DVD to Love come that out. Stuff. Cause like, it's it's gonna come with so many cool like not just like um, behind the scenes, but like a whole bunch of really cool featurettes. Um, if they do, people still do commentaries anymore. Are there still such things as director I commentaries? I believe people still do commentaries. I haven't seen one in a while, but I used to love those. I I I've, I've never consumed one. Oh, they're great. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are really good, like the Isn't Lord of the so Rings ones. No, well, you're not watching the film; you're watching the commentary. That's the way you have to view it. It's like a visual podcast. Yeah, it actually really is. Yeah, it's basically like the director or the writer or actor is just explaining what the experience was like. It's very it's, like, especially if you've seen a movie a million times, one of your favorite movies. Definitely uh, watch a movie with commentary on. Sidebar: um, a bunch of my favorite podcasts. What they do is like they have separate channels mm -hmm. where. Um, 
it's a subscription thing where you pay it's almost like iTunes track so you mm-hmm. pay like 99 cents for a track but they will sync up to a movie oh, that's awesome. so while they watch a movie they talk about it and they do a podcast episode while <laughs> watching a movie so you can buy it and then they'll sync 3, 2, 1, play and you can like watch a movie with oh, your I favorite do that. personalities like commentary who does that? Um, I know Corolla does it um, I believe Nerdist did it for like maybe one or two things that's awesome I'm all but I know that. Corolla did it a bunch of times yeah and it just becomes like not about the movie at all because he's, of course. he is who he is. <laughs> yeah, on tangents, of course, yeah. of course. Um, I will say this though: um, Andy Weir is writing a new book. It's it's going to be a hard sci-fi book. It has like a title. It's like Jerk or some shit like that. Jerk? No, it's like Jack. It's like some weird Jack. Z H E K. Or for these Singaporeans out there, Z H E K. Jack. Zek. So that's his second novel. The Martian was his first novel. Any Bef- vague. Um, Broad strokes. And all he says is it's all he says. It's going to be a more traditional sci-fi movie. It has aliens, telepathy, fast and light travel, etc. So it's huh. sci-fi, sci-fi. Please don't be Jupiter ascending. Oh god, that movie was so bad. It was. A, uh, <laughs> was that movie was worth watching for the conversation that came afterwards. It was funny. Sucks if you watched it by yourself. It You're just stewing I, in your own awfulness of Jupiter ascending. I watched it by myself. You fool. I questioned so many decisions you halfway fool. through it. I was you like. Fool. Why did I do this? He's roller skating. Why is he roller skating? <laughs> it's rollerblades. Um, there, okay, I bring that up because Andy Weir also has a wonderful short story called The Egg. Check it out, guys, if you haven't. Just search for Andy Weir, The Egg. It's a really nice short read. It takes about five minutes, and it's a really interesting take on what it was like to meet God and the nature of humanity. Mm. Put that in the show notes. Okay, so real quick, what do you think about um, how the movie was cast? In terms, I mean, outside of Mark Watney, because I feel like we've talked about him a lot. And rightly so. I mean, the entire story hinges on his yeah. likability and his person. Yeah. But let's let's go over the rest of the okay, cast. Broad and- strokes. And I, I think, I mean, there's no way to talk about this without talking about the racial quote-unquote controversy, yeah. right? But before we get into that, let's just talk in broad strokes. Yeah. Um, Sean Bean played a really interesting role. But the problem is the whole movie, I was like, how is he going to die? How is he possible? Is it going to be a car wreck? Is it a fucking Aries going to crash on him? So that was kind of annoying. Sian Bian. The crew was was brilliant. I thought from top to bottom, the perfect, crew from Jessica Chastain to Kate Mara was brilliant. Kate yeah. Mara so adorable. Perfectly cast. I mean, my only gripe, and I'm sure um, a lot of people feel the same way, that the relationship between uh, Beck and Johansson felt uh, underdeveloped. It's only, so only because, you know, again, like I said before, they had to cut a lot of the fat. Yeah, but it's also like, I'm sure people would be like, if it was more, they'd be like, man, we don't need this romance bullshit. Uh, that is true. Which is why it's nice the way in the book, it's kind of just really subtle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's presented through Mark Watney's conversations yeah. with Beck and Johansson. But also, we don't care. We don't really care about Beck and Johansson. They're just, <laughs> they're just there. Yeah, I mean, then there's also the debate of like, like, why bother including it in the first place? That's what I mean. Why have that like... It's a nice little... T- I think they... I, that's why I think... I think the film handled it just nicely. Yeah? It was there. They had a little baby in the end. It was cute. It was adorable. Yeah, the kiss was... The what, what baby in the end? Wow, you really didn't pay attention, hey? What baby in the end? They had a baby in the end. Did they have a baby in the end? They had end? a baby in the end. When was it shown? At the end. With a baby. How end? Like, at the, at the very end, like when they were showing what everyone was doing afterwards. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, um... Wait, 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 wait. Just I, it Didn't it end with Mark Watney Nathan's teaching? Mind. Yeah, but before that, there was like a, a cutscene of what everyone was doing. Like, Johansson was... Uh, Oh yeah 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 yeah. Lewis was back at home. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Penny was going out on the flight. Yeah. Yes. 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 Oh yeah, I remember. And I remember thinking like she does not look like she just gave birth. Yes, that's right. (laughs) She was not wearing. She was not wearing any kind of like hospital. 
she wasn't wearing any kind of hospital gown. Yeah. Like, she was in, like, normal clothing, and, like, she had a very flat stomach. It's like, come yeah. on, Kate Mara. <laughs> I know you just came from filming Fantastic Four, but put in some effort. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, one of your friends was in this, right? We should talk about that. One of my friends. Benedict Wong. Ah. Why would you say he's my friend? Because you said hi to him. That is true. Okay, so John and I, so John and I went to watch a play a couple nights ago, and um, well, BW was there. Yes, Benedict Wong was at the play, and I remember looking at him, going like, "Why does he look so familiar? He looks extremely familiar. Who's that guy? He looks and so I was like, familiar." Oh my god, he's from the Martian. Yeah, oh yeah, we just watched him on a movie like a couple yeah. nights ago. Because he's in town, he's filming Marco Polo up in JB. That's... I don't know how if we should be saying those things, but. <laughs> what do you mean? He's playing. It, it, what do you mean? Why? I don't know. I, like I don't know if they want to keep it a secret. I don't know. Whatever. It's, it's out there. Dumb. It's out there. Yeah. They're filming the Netflix TV show. Marco Polo is filming JB, and he plays uh, a Khan. He plays Emmy Award nominated. Anyway, so we saw him. Okay, so I think now is a perfect time to get into the race thing because that's the whole. <laughs> I, again, I, I don't want to dwell in it, but it's like the whole thrust. He's not he's not my friend. I literally just said hi. He, did he say hi back? That's it. He just said hey. Hey, whoa, best friends. <laughs> like, that's pretty much it. Like, I didn't even say, like, you were great. I was just kind of like, hey. Hey, <laughs> just playing it cool, man. Just playing it cool. Yeah, slowly, slowly. All right. So there is a media watchdog group called MANA, M-A-N-A-A, which is the oh, – they... What a stupid article that doesn't write what it stands for. It's like the something for Asian-American actors in the arts. Basically, they're the ones, a watchdog group. Uh, looking to make sure that Asian Americans are represented. Uh, I think it stands for Media Action Network for Asian Americans. That's exactly what it stands for. I, I think it, it M A N A A. Yeah. I think it stands for My Asian Not Anywhere. I'm a guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it should stand for. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. So they released a statement. Uh, here's like the, the juicy bit of it. It says, uh, This is from the head of, of Mana. <laughs> He says, so few projects are written specifically with Asian American characters in them, and he's now changed them to a white woman and a black man. This is uh, the man founding president named Guy Aoki. Oh, uh, I've heard about this asshole. Mm-hmm. This was a great opportunity to give meaty roles to talented Asian American actors and boost their careers. This feel-good movie, which has attracted Oscar buzz, should not get any awards for casting. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I mean, okay, uh, we, we did talk about this previously when we were, before the movie came out even, uh, when we reviewed the book and kind of just talked about where the Indians at, Yeah, where the Koreans at. Where the Indian at? Yeah, so I guess, okay, the most uh, glaring oversight, if you've seen the movie, is that why is a guy named Venkat Kapoor... Played- Victor Kapoor. Vincent Kapoor? They changed his name in the movie. Oh, did they? Yeah. I was not paying that much attention. Yeah, Vincent and, Kapoor, that is true. And they yeah. had, and also they had a baby at the end. Vincent Kapoor. But why change... The last name is still Kapoor. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they... they, they um, a guy named Vincent Kapoor, K-A-P-O-O-R, mm-hmm. was a black man, Chiwetel mm-hmm. Ejiofor, yep. who's... I, I felt his accent was kind of strange throughout the entire movie. Oh, he's British. Yeah, but like, it kept wavering between yeah. things. Anyway... Still great, great performance, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of movie watchers that paid enough attention were like, why Kapoor? Why is he black? Why? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think John, John did a bit of research I did. I do. That's into I do. why he was cast, why Chiwetel Ejiofor was casted instead of, you know, any other Indian actor. So, John, why so, was that? Okay, so okay, so I think it's also important to note that with the character of uh, Venka Kapoor, though obviously of Indian descent, and also Mandy Park, 
he doesn't Mindy Mindy excuse me Mindy Park Andy Weir in the book doesn't specifically state their race because it's not important right I mean obviously I think it's fair to say he casted them with a Korean actor in mind yeah and an Indian actor in mind but, but they had well, more so for for Venkat only because first of all Venkat Kapoor Venkat, yeah and then he says he's Hindu I mean I know other races can be Hindu but if your last name is Kapoor and you're Hindu you are clearly Indian yeah in the book they book they made him half uh, half uh, okay maybe th- th- there might be like. Two people in the world whose last name is Kapoor sure, 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 and sure. they're Hindu and they're not Indian. But, you know. Yeah, but in the, in the movie, they made him half uh, his father Hindu and his mom uh, Baptist, which I thought was a nice touch. Anyway, yeah. they had actually lined up an actor named Irfan Khan, who's one of the bigger Bollywood actors. But You would, you would know his face. You would know his face. Just look it up. Um, and he would have been in it, except he couldn't get out of a Bollywood contract. Mm-hmm. Those goddamn Bollywood Those moguls. Pesky. Bollywood contracts. And so they they were trying to make it work, dances. and they and they trying to make it work, and they thought it were fine. And then all of a sudden, three weeks before filming started, they had to pull out. And three weeks is not a lot of time to find a replacement, you know, because people are lined up for months before. People are if other Indian actors they want are probably filming something else. And look, they had Chuatel Echifor, who is a great actor, yeah. Oscar nominated for Twelve Years a Slave, yeah. and they just decide to roll with it, man. Yeah. You roll with the punches. I mean, you can argue that you know there's so many Indian actors out there. Why didn't they call Sahil Patel? You know, or or Kumail Nanjiani? I don't know. Or, <laughs> I know he's yeah, Pakistani, but um, Sitting Bull. Yeah, but I mean, you have to know that they're trying, they're, they're, they're going for an all star cast here. And Venkat Kapoor, Vincent Kapoor, whatever, is a fairly significant role. And with three weeks to cast, they can't take too many risks. You know, yeah. you want to kind of go for. But a, I'm. But we all also sure stepping thing. over something. There's this freaking uh, guy, Aoki guy. Yeah. He released a statement, seemingly ignorant of the fact that they had originally cast an Indian actor. Right. It, it makes it sound like they were just didn't feel like it. And it, man, if you're the head of a watchdog group, be a, be a little bit more educated. Well, okay, I've, this is not Your the research. first time I've heard from Gaia Aoki. I mean, okay, thanks for, you know, keeping an eye out and all that stuff. But from the f- several stories I have heard from him, uh, he's kind of just one of those guys looking to be offended. Right. You know, he's one of those guys who's looking to be offended, and he and he claims to speak for all Asian Americans. Yeah. Indian, Japanese, Korean, Chinese, right. whatever. Like, he'll be like, my people. I'm like, oh, come on, And dude. look, man, Nathan and I are both Asian actors. Like, obviously, we're sensitive to this stuff, but, like, it's a bit, it's a bit <laughs> much ado about nothing, right? Okay, we talk about Mindy Park, and this is where we get a little, like, let's get a little philosophical here. Okay. In the book, Mindy Park, at least to me, reads, like, a second, third, possibly even fourth generation Asian American. Yeah. And at that point... It's just surface deep. Like the the actor who plays her, Mackenzie Davis. Mackenzie Davis, right? Like, and she's like, this character is Mindy Clark. She's a satellite tech. She's an engineer. She works with NASA. She's very educated. Blah 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 blah. At which point does her race become all that necessary? Yeah. And then I heard I heard an argument. I had a discussion the other day. It's like, well, why didn't they change her name to Parker? Who gives a shit? <laughs> I mean, I've read also. I've also read that Park as a last name is also of Scottish heritage. But yes, Park is like the second most common Korean name next to Kim, right? Yeah, they have like Kim Park. That's it. That's, I'm just Lee. Really awesome. And okay, so look, and then also there's the fact that you know when we were when this before this movie came out, Nathan and I were convinced that the Chinese were going to be cut, that they were ripe to be cut, even though they played a relatively um, big deal in the books. But yes. they weren't cut. They no, were there. Yeah, they were in there. Tony Tan was in there. Like, Really? Yeah, Tony Tan, our, our Singaporean president. Wow. Yeah, he was in the movie. I'm so proud. Yeah. 
I'm kidding, by the way. Okay. He just he just really looked like him. <laughs> really looked like him. <laughs> but like, okay, in terms of so so, what I'm saying is here. My, my but the point of my argument is that this fucking guy. It's actually this this the Martian was wonderfully diverse. Yeah. Break down the crew. You have an uh, Jessica Chastain as Lewis is a woman in charge. She's a white woman. Yes. Whatever. She's a woman. Then you had Martinez, who's a pilot. He's Latina. Yeah. Then you have three other white people. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. And four other white people. If you're the German. <laughs> and then on the ground at NASA, you have a black man, and you have two black men in highly in high position scientific roles in Donald Glover and and Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you have Kristen Wiig as a high level executive as well. You have the Chinese. It's a diverse movie. It's you diverse. Have, you have Boromir. You know, it's it's kind of hard to cast non human um, to get non humans within NASA. And then you also have uh, Boromir, the 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 man of Rohan. Yeah. Of Gondor. Yeah. Is that was that an accurate reference? No, you tried though. I'm sorry. No, you tried. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's Bruce Ung, who was played by you know yeah, my, my boy, Bruce... my boy. Bernie. Oh, yeah, sorry. Nathan's no. best friend had a big role, and I, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> it seems like it was more pumped up. It feels like it was a smaller role in the book, right? It was, yeah, definitely. I mean. It wasn't as prominently featured, but maybe it could have just been the fact that yeah. oh, we saw an Asian face on the screen. Let's 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 pay attention to the yeah. scenes extra well. Um, and they used to tie it in like his my uncle is in charge of the Chinese. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know if he's doing, if he was joking about that. Or not. Anyway. <laughs> but I will say that the Donald Glover was the only casting misstep that I could see. Yeah, you think I was really excited when I saw him in the trailer. Me too. And then within the movie, I can't tell if it's because the role was kind of just. I mean, the role itself in the book didn't have a great significance. Um, it has significance in a plot, but it just didn't have that much book or screen time, um, page time. Uh, and uh, was it underperformed? Was it underutilized? I, it was just, was I don't it know, really mis- scripted? Look, I'm a huge fan of Donald Glover from Community to his work as Channel's Gambino to just, just his up. comedy. Yeah. It's just really funny. But like when he's explaining the maneuver, I just felt like it was the one... F- one of the very few times in the movies where I was like, this just feels off. Yeah. Like, yeah, they were going yeah, for yeah. humor in a weird way that he yeah. wasn't quite... I don't know. It was weird. And I love Donald Glover. I wanted him to be the next Spider-Man, but it was weird. Do you think the weirdness was intentional? Yeah, it was a choice he made. It was just didn't... I don't know if he followed through. No, like, 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 no, like, like, like how, how it was portrayed on screen, like, because it was so awkward and unsettling mm. on screen in, like, not a creepy way, but more so just, like, eh. Yeah, like, I think, do you think that was intentional? Because, I think he, you know, he was going be... for aloof, you know, crazy genius, and just was just weird. Yeah, because you know he's, he is a proper scientist. Yeah. So if they, if they would want to make it realistic, open inverted commas on screen, uh, you know, no, I mean, scientists are not the funniest people. They're not. Yeah, they're not but even socially... then, but even if you're going for like neurotic or weird, it's just it just didn't it just didn't resonate with me. It just didn't work for me. Yeah, it was a strange scene. Yeah, but uh, I, but I love, love you, him. Donnie. Yeah, I love you. Keep listening to us, Donald Glover. <laughs> you never know. You never, never know. But yeah, I guess that's the cast for you. Um, I, yeah, like John said, it was pretty damn diverse. Could have used, you know, an, half an Asian more, but <laughs> yeah. You know what's cool about another about this film? Going back to the marketing of this film, there's this. I, like I said, it's cool how they had like you know the standard stuff. Like you could you couldn't go past a bus stop in Singapore without seeing Martian advertising. But the stuff they did specifically online was just brilliant. Mm. Like go on the YouTube channel and just watch all the videos there. Like we said, the Neil deGrasse Tyson thing. And there was this little fun thing that we did. Like I don't know if you guys saw on our Twitter where I tweeted that photo of Nathan and I in the Martian suit, <laughs> wanting us to bring us home. That's something you could do. I mean, it's a little too late. I mean, you're a little yeah, 
a little behind the tracks. A little passe, a little 2008. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. I, the, the marketing for this one, I just really appreciated that there was so much extra content. Mm. Like, I love it when I can like research into a movie. Because I'm not of, this, of the same belief as you where, like, you know, don't wa- only watch the first trailer and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a little bit of, like, a, not too particular. You know, some movies I'll watch and research it like crazy. I'll watch all the trailers. I'll check out all the behind-the-scenes footage and everything like that way before I even watch the movie. And some movies I just walk in completely blind. Sure. I'm fine with it either way. I it, it I know it affects the experience, but I don't really care. That's um, my that's my my more for like Brock block brush block Brock Brushter Brock Lesners. That's Brock, my that's my view on Brock Lesners. If yeah. it's if it's a Brock Lesner and I know that I'm gonna watch it, then I'm just gonna watch it. That's a wasted opportunity that Brock Lesnar's like wrestling nickname wasn't Blockbuster, or like his special move, the, uh, the Brockbuster, not the F five. Yeah, F five. What does that stand for? I don't know, but Fucking it's like fatality. It's like yeah. It's like one more than a Chinese boy band. Ew. Yeah. Um, Taiwanese. Whatever. Specifically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I really appreciate that there's so much extra content to watch. That like I really dug the the aforementioned psychological evaluation thing. That was mm-hmm. hilarious. And you also get like these weren't like superfluous, you know, extra content. Like these were things that expounded on the characters. Expound upon and enriched the actual experience of yeah, watching yeah, yeah. the film. Yeah, like, definitely. They did more characterization for Lewis in that one featurette than they did in the entire movie. Right. Which right. was, and, you know, a weird choice, but cool. Yeah. <laughs> and they actually just released, it looks like they released just three days ago a deleted scene, it looks like basically, of, of Mark Watney doing experiments in oh. the hab. It's pretty cool. Do you think that, okay, I don't know if this is going to be related to the movie, but more so the movie uh, business in general. Like, do you think... A movie like this, where they are aware it's very science-related, very uh, kind of now, you know, mm-hmm. it's a very modern movie, mm-hmm. that they kind of assume that majority of their audiences are very internet savvy, they're very technologically capable, so they're, they don't hesitate to release relevant, non-superfluous material online. I think, online. That's, fair. I think yeah. that's fair. I think but I think that's where we're heading anyway. It's the changing of the paradigm. It's yeah. The full experience and how we can reach you. It's only now, really, that we're getting a handle of what to do with the internet, to be honest. It's a very exciting time. It's definitely to be a movie fan. Yeah, it's definitely like a cool future in movies. But, but I, I mean, I doubt you're going to see something like this happen for like a lot of other movies, but more so for something as scientific and as for sure. modern as this one. For like, sure. you're going to get a lot of like extra content relating to the space, because especially of all those, um, like those Chris Hadfield videos. Oh, is, is that the, name? Yeah, Chris Hadfield, the Chris Canadian Hadfield astronaut. Yeah, they're gonna try like replicate that real look and feel. I mean, of course, they said in the future and whatever, but mm-hmm. it's still it's such an interesting concept that marketing can kind of go beyond just watching trailers on TV and movies. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many interesting ways to reach out to your audience. Okay, like one example that um, I thought was very cool, completely unrelated to the Martian, but at the New York Comic Con that happened a couple days ago. Yep, uh, they. Advertised for Batman versus Superman in a, such a cool way. So instead of just showing teaser trailers or having posters around, they actually had free Wi-Fi throughout the entire Comic Con under the name uh, LexCorp. And the cool thing about that was that you just register your email with the LexCorp Wi-Fi. It's completely free. You have Wi-Fi throughout the con, the con 24 hours. Um, and because you register with your email and everything, they will send you, like I think, one email of promotional material. Um, that kind of like pimps out the movie, and I thought that was just that was just a really interesting new agey way to market a movie. Dude, you think that's cool? Have you ever heard of something called an ARG? 
augmented reality girlfriend. Uh, I think it's <laughs> I think it's actually alternate reality game. Ooh. So if you think that's cool, this is going to blow your mind if you haven't heard about this yet. Uh, augmented couple... reality girlfriend is the other thing I have. <laughs> it's okay, man. It's okay. Her name's Sheila. Yeah. It's his right hand. <laughs> okay, so the an ARG is like it was like the big one that was popular was the way to promote the Dark Knight five, six years ago at Comic-Con. What was it? Like, I wish I knew the details about it, but basically what it was is that there was a series of riddles and hints dropped throughout Comic-Con that led people on a chase around town. What, to like get... on posters, on like graffiti? Dude, they did a lot, a lot, a lot of really interesting things. They set up uh, bogus websites that get people hints. It was basically a, a, a scavenger hunt, but more crazy. Yeah. And by the end, and you had to do like really interesting things like find a number to call and blah, 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 blah. And it would lead you to this place where they, sh- I think they showed the trailer. <laughs> so it's a really immersive experience. That's what I'm talking about. Like, not only is this camp, this campaign smart from a um, uh, uh, marketing point of view, just as an experience to fully get into the story. Yeah. Awesome. So awesome. It makes you very much more invested in the, into the movie. Correct. And because you involve it in your real life. And I know we're going on a huge tangent right now, but I'm fine with it because I love talking about shit like this. Um, Several years ago, I think around the time of The Dark Knight. Sorry, I'm burping again. Uh, around the time of The Dark Knight. Uh, Nathan. That was, come, come on, That's me. terrible. Why'd you do that, me? Anyway, uh, a couple years ago, uh, around the time of The Dark Knight. Uh, what is it? What is it about Dark Knight that makes you burp, dude? You're so gross. <laughs> a really cool marketing campaign um, surrounded by two J.J. Abrams movies that I've freaking was obsessed with i just fell in love with how genius it was two movies cloverfield Mm -hmm. and super eight Mm -hmm. i don't have the exact details for you right now but google it it was the same it was an arg it'll blow your mind oh is that what arg yeah yes that's what args are so it was a mind-blowing like um just really intricate um how do you game i guess yeah yeah, yeah a game yeah. to market both cloverfield and super 8 and they even kind of tied back to each other so i know super 8 did a thing where like in the first trailer like literally if you just pause for like it's like a frame yeah just literally one frame. literally one frame of the trailer showed you like um a password like some kind of uh mm-hmm. glyph and if you uh um decode it it was a URL. Some of it was like QR codes. Some of it was like keywords that you have to key into a password into a yep, different website. Exactly that stuff. Some of it was even like ways to change code in a website and like readjust and create your own HTML and then kind of have that. It was insane how detailed it was. And it was just for marketing a freaking movie about kids and a monster. And Love it just, it. It, it was amazing. Like the marketing for movies nowadays, it's just through the roof how cool it is and the martian was no different in that it trusted the audience to handle like yeah but 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 it's actual actual but not just that it's about hitting multiple levels like the most diehard fans are going to do all this full they're actually going to experience the full experience yeah and i think that's great it definitely gets you a lot more um i know i used the word invested already but it just delves you into the world involved into the world and like you just feel so much more connected to the movie as opposed to you know oh i'm gonna go to watch a movie on saturday you know yeah i mean like look like freaking under armor basically came with a commercial with starring mark watney and i was like you know what i'm gonna buy some under armor (laughs) (laughs) like truly blatant marketing for a product not related to the like that's related to the movie that's that i'm sure under armor gave money to the movie right yeah yeah love it 
Did they design the spacesuits? They look pretty under armory. Well, the stuff they were wearing underneath the armor that was their spacesuit was under armor. Yeah, there was the under armor ad and there was the Neil deGrasse Tyson fake documentary, but it was based on the actual movie. So, you know, it's, it's where they try to bend the concept of reality a little bit yeah because it is set in the near future i thought that was so cool yeah yeah all right anything else we want to talk about i think that's a pretty solid chunk of uh content yeah yeah i dug it go read the book yeah god the book was so good and like just like with any other uh film uh book to film adaptation they had to cut some stuff and some of the stuff they cut out was brilliant i mean they made the right cuts probably but go experience the book speaking of marketing how timely was that water on Mars thing? Oh. <laughs> that was like the ultimate, like NASA. Like, because I mean, it's clear that NASA was involved in the making of this mm. film, right? Like, they timed this, right? I mean, it was way too coincidental for them not to have timed this. Yeah. I think they're like, I think they planted the water on Mars and they're like, let's release it in time for the movie. Yeah. Sly bastards. Matt Damon's got something on NASA, man. NASA owes Matt Damon a favor. Yeah. Well, they spent millions of dollars to go get him, didn't they? That meme going around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, uh, when will Matt Damon ever learn? And when will people, when will Hollywood stop spending money on saving Matt Damon? <laughs> I don't saving know, man. Private Ryan, Interstellar, Interstellar. Uh, The Martian. The Martian. Matt, basically, uh, Matt Damon is the Helen of Troy of our time. <laughs> <laughs> like, he runs away and you gotta go get him and lots of people die in the meantime. Anyway, the mat that launched a thousand ships. Hey, <laughs> good one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our Martian special. Go watch the movie again if you haven't. Go read the book if you haven't. Listen to more Good Hang if you haven't. And I don't know. This could be the final book club. There might be another one. We'll see. We'll keep. We'll keep you posted. We'll keep. Yeah. Posted, baby. I mean, anytime we can get you guys extra content. Why not, right? Especially if you support us on Patreon. <laughs> does, it, does, that, does that exist? We'll yet? see. But we talked about it already, right? We talked about it already in last week's episode. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, in the words of my hero, Neil deGrasse Tyson, keep looking up. Wasn't that something from Heroes? No, man. It's from Neil deGrasse Tyson's <laughs> podcast, Star Talk. At the end of the podcast, he says, keep looking up, and then no one talks afterwards, and they do an outro, and it's beautifully inspiring, and you just fucked it up. I guess one was from Heroes. Well, keep looking up is not like, you know, it's not trademarked or anything, but it should be by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Peter Pan. Oh, yeah. 9-11. What? What? Alright, bye guys. <laughs> bye. <laughs>